We've been talking a lot about, uh, you know, uh, overdoses, fentanyl. Uh, you know, there's been it's it's been all over the place. Obviously, we lost Prince. We lost Tom Petty to this fentanyl thing. Mac Miller uh, recently overdosed. We found out just the other day it was fentanyl again. Uh, opiates, prescription drugs, real big problem in our culture today. Real big problem in society overall. No matter who you are, seems like in our entertainment world quite a bit. And when Demi Lovato had an overdose a couple of months ago, you know, I said, you know, here's a young lady, super talented, super pressured into a lot of different things, not only making music, she's, you know, acting, she's got like a pants line, like all the crazy stuff that celebrities and and musicians and stuff get into. And I just, you know, I kept saying on the air, I don't understand if you have somebody who's vulnerable to this sort of thing it's not her first rodeo with uh with drugs why isn't somebody around her family loved ones this and that why aren't they employing someone to just be there 24 i know look there's plenty of bands i've been doing this for a really long time you know how many times i've been uh backstage at a show and you're talking to this one and you go, oh what do you do oh i'm the sober guy so i remember the first time i met the sober guy the sober guy yeah Sober guy's job is to keep so-and-so in the band completely sober off drugs. They're there with them 24-7. It happens all the time. They're employed. They're paid. I don't know if they get medical benefits. I'm sure they do. Whatever the case is, it exists in the world. So before you start acting like, oh, man, it's crazy, it exists. People got their sober friends. It's the roadie. It's the tech guy. Whatever excuse it's given, you know, it exists. And, uh, you know, I was like, why wasn't this given for Demi Lovato, this poor girl overdose, blah, 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 going on and so on and so forth. And I struggled to understand some of these things. And I'm coming across Jeff Tweedy's uh, uh, upcoming book. Jeff uh, wrote a book, lead singer of Wilco, Uncle Tupelo. He's got a book coming out, a memoir called Let's Go So We Can Get Back. November 13th, it comes out. What's today? The 9th. So it's a couple days away from coming out. And I read this excerpt. And uh, it was spine chilling, spine chilling, because I'm reading this thing and I'm going and I'm thinking about my past comments and stuff. And I'm wondering, well, why doesn't this happen? And I'm not naive. And I, I know I don't you know, I don't know everything. And I, things are very if I'm learning one thing in life as we move along here. It's extremely complicated and not always easily explained. And I read this and it's a little bit of an answer to my question of how are not more people taking care of these artists, so on and so forth, like. If you're like me and you're like, why isn't somebody on this? Why doesn't somebody care more? It's a sensitive thing that should be paid more attention to, blah, blah, blah. Here's your answer. I got mine. This is an excerpt from the book, Let's Go So We Can Get Back, from Jeff Tweedy. I'll be reading it in his voice. This is uh, from a chapter titled, Toby in a Glass Jar, which Tweedy discusses his opiate addiction, which led to his 2004 rehab stent and the making of Wilco's A Ghost is Born. Jeff Tweedy, like Jeff Tweedy from Wilco, the kid in rumpled blue scrubs behind the window at the pharmacy drive-thru was staring at me. He looked like he was straight out of pharmaceutical college, a big, clean-cut kid, but disheveled like a drunk altar boy or someone who just woke up from a nap. I smiled back at him and tried to look like a guy with his stuff together. I've seen you play a bunch of times, man, he told me, glancing at my prescription again. My friends, we're all fans. I said, thanks, and struggled to make eye contact. I really appreciate that, yeah. 
I never know what to say during encounters like this. I've learned that saying thanks is all that is required, but it never seems like enough. The guy disappeared into the maze of shells behind him, and I tapped impatiently on my steering wheel. I was there to get Vicodin, which I had somehow talked my psychiatrist into prescribing for anxiety. I've been taking opiates on and off for years, but most of my prescriptions had been for migraines. This was the first time I felt like a doctor had gotten tired of me begging and knew he was doing something wrong, but just didn't care. For years, the standard pattern had been to get someone to write me a script when my migraines became unbearable and then stop cold turkey when I ran out of refills or when I started to panic about the pills I was taking. Now something different was happening. I was depressed and I had started to only feel normal and human when I had plenty of drugs on hand. Before I had always needed to be in actual pain to rationalize asking a doctor for painkillers, an air of legitimacy had always propped up my self-esteem. I wasn't a drug addict if I used my sanctioned by healthcare professional. Now those pretenses were disappearing fast. The pharmacist kid came back and handed me a bag. It felt heavier than usual. I took care of you, he said, giving me a wink. I'm sorry, I asked. He gestured toward the bag. I tripled your prescription. He whispered through his teeth, motioning with his eyes to be cool. I was flustered but grateful. Oh, well, wow, thanks. You can do that? I blurted, still not quite comprehending what he was saying. Was I the lucky millionth customer? Listen, man, if you ever need anything, he then put his thumb to his ear and his mouth, call me into his pinky. No kidding. Awesome. Okay, I said. My hands were shaking and I felt high already. Thank you again. I don't know what to say. I drove away slowly, elated and a little scared. Up until that moment, getting large quantities of drugs had been hard, and having it be difficult had created the delusion that I was living safely behind some natural barrier that would circumstantially and without willpower expended on my part protect me from having access to the amount of drugs it would take to be a, quote, real, end quote, drug addict. Now it was going to be easy. Even in what felt like a lot of winning moment of euphoria, I knew that making this connection was one of the worst things that could happen to me. Uh, it goes on from there. But even that part was just like insanely chilling. Like, first of all, to me, it's embarrassing that you're trying to cop from a kid who looks up to you. Like, that's got to be a pride swallowing moment. And then second of all, to have this kid like think, like thinking he's helping is such a scary thing, you know? I mean, it's just so, I understand where the kid's coming from. Like, it's like, here's one of those life circumstances where there's no black and white. There's no, like, it's all a mess. It's all a mess. Can you expect a kid who looks up to this guy to be there to protect his idol? You'd hope so, but that's not always what happens. Would you expect Jeff Tweedy to be so embarrassed by what he's doing that to get caught by a fan that he would just, you know, not go through with it or whatever? You would hope so, but that's not what happens. Uh, and uh, you read something like this, and you're like, Jesus. Like, you can see how quickly you can fall through that tunnel. Yeah, how quickly it can happen to you. Just like that. Doctor gets tired, breaks his rules a little bit. Kid breaks his rules a little bit. And next thing you know, you're just plummeting down. Just absolutely plummeting down. I got a little bit of a chill when I read that for the first time. Scary stuff. 
Glad that Jeff is doing well nowadays, and I hope he stays on it. Let's Go So We Can Get Back is out November 13th. Jeff Tweedy sounds like it's a real, real honest telling of what he went through.